to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I feel the presence of the Lord, don't you? Thank God for his presence. Um, I want to talk about something really important. We're going to be talking about this. Thank you so much for the next several weeks. Um, about a, two months ago, back in June, we handed out to you a packet and some cards like this. And I want to I make reference to these cards. There's a rack out in the foyer where you can get these cards. And let me tell you what we're going to do. The experts tell us that, that Easter is no longer the biggest church day of the year. And I know that may seem unbelievable. And, you know, for some churches, it, it may still be the biggest day. But a lot of churches are finding out that it's not the biggest day uh, because you have things like spring break and people are missing church. When I was growing up, you didn't miss Easter Sunday. But today people go on vacation and they're on spring break and they're just missing Easter, which is not a healthy thing or good thing, but we can't help it. So what the experts are telling us is that now the biggest day in church is either the, the Sunday after Labor Day or the second Sunday after Labor Day. Everybody's back on schedule, and it's a good time to invite people to church, get everybody back. So what, we're, we, what we've decided to do is we're going we're gonna to promote this, and I need your help as a church, that on September 15th, which will be the second Sunday after Labor Day, we want to call it Back to Church, Bring to Church. Back to Church, Bring to Church. And basically it's this. We want everybody back in church. Uh, the summer you've been coming and going, but we're just kind of making it a focus. Everybody back in church. So we want to ask everybody to be here on that Sunday. Everybody that counts high praises is their church. Get, get here to the house of God. Then we want you to bring somebody to church. A person that you work with, that you know, family members, coworkers, whatever. People that are uh, serving a restaurant that you see all the time and you find, just find out that he or she doesn't go to church. I want you to take the cards and we're going to hand you out some cards on the 8th. But it could be that some of you are not here on the 8th and some of you may want to jump on this. Go out there and grab you one or two or three of these cars. Now, you know, get as many as you think you're actually going to hand out. And just keep them in your pocket. And then when you're out somewhere and you see somebody and you start, the opportunity opens to talk about church, pull this card out and say, listen, let me give this to you. It's got our service times. I want you to be here on Sunday, September 15th. You can invite him before then, but we're going to really make a push for that day. And here's what I do. Tell him, say, look, I'll meet you at the door. You guys sit with us. I'm going to host you. And even, why don't you guys go out to eat afterwards? Wouldn't that be great? Just go out, to, out, go out to eat and fellowship and connect with them. And uh, I, I think if we can do that, we can see even more people come to the church because ultimately we want to preach the gospel and we want them to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the most important thing. Because these services, we, we, you know, you're going to be blessed, but y'all, these services are designed to reach people for Jesus. Sunday morning is about reaching people for Jesus. We have a lot of other events that can bless you, but ultimately we want to see people who are not saved come to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. So if we'll all work together. So we'll be talking about this in the next few weeks. All right, thank you so much. I want you to stand with me. You're not going to stand long. I've been preaching this series on full, and we've talked about being full of the Word and full of faith and full of joy. Today I want to talk about being full of the Spirit uh, we took a break last week because I had to do growth track. I love to do growth track. I get to do growth track, but I wanted to come back and finish it this morning. I just have one verse. I'd like you to turn there and just keep your Bible open to it because I'm going to preach it. I'm actually going to preach it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It's about as plain as it can be. Here it goes. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. 
but be filled with the Spirit. There it is. If you're going to be full of something, God wants you to be full of His Spirit, right? All right, thanks for doing that. You may be seated. Thanks for standing for the Word. Um, it's about to be hunting season. Now, for some of you, that doesn't mean anything. For me, I get excited. I, I, I like to hunt. And so um, when it starts getting hunting season, you, there's things you got to do. You got to go out and get your work on your stand and cut your shooting lanes. And uh, if you see guys going down the road with a trailer with a four-wheeler on it, most likely they're either going or coming from working in the woods on their stands. Uh, I knew, I, I like, I, I have a four-wheeler and I use it because it helps me to be able to do things like that as well as if I kill a deer, I can just hook that to the back of my four-wheeler and, and when I harvest it and pull it out. It goes easier on the back. When I was young, I'd drag it out, but I don't do that anymore. You get older, you work smarter, not harder. And so I went to, I said, well, I need to go check my four-wheeler because it's been sitting idle. Well, guess what? The battery was dead. Dead battery. So, Jaron, you must not be driving my four-wheeler any there. And so, uh, do what? Oh, well, it didn't work, so you must have drained the battery. I don't know. Anyway, um, the battery was dead because when I, I took it home and I hooked it up and, and it was dead, so it started draining. It took, it took hours, it, or charging rather. It started, it started charging. It took hours, and it, and it finally got, it, it got charged, and it got up, and I, hopefully it'll work. If not, I got another one, but I got to have my four-wheeler. But here I am looking at this battery, and, of course, uh, with a charger, you got a red clip and a black clip, and you got to make sure you put the red clip on the positive terminal and the black clip on the negative terminal. I, I've joked about maybe I'll just switch them one day and see what happens. But I don't think I'm going to do that. And, and then we ran out of AAA batteries. Anybody got a drawer full of batteries at your house? Y'all like me, we got a drawer. So we got D batteries, we got C batteries, we had AA batteries, no AAA batteries. We needed AAA batteries for something. So I had to go to the store and get batteries. And there I am, so I'm getting batteries. And the whole thing about getting batteries, the positives and negatives, started coming to my mind as I'm buying batteries and I'm reading this scripture, I put the two together. And here's why. A battery has a positive terminal, as I said, a negative terminal. A magnet has a positive charge, a negative charge. Uh, this verse is kind of like a battery and a magnet. It's got a positive and a negative message to it. The, the negative message, there's some things God doesn't want you to do. And the positive message is there are some things God does want you to do. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start like Paul with the negative. Okay, it's like somebody says you want the good news or the bad news first. Paul gives us, I guess, the bad news. What's really not bad news? Which we, that's probably a bad analogy. But anyway, forget I said that. But we're just going to talk about the two things. We're going to start with the negative and go to the positive. Okay, now the negative is maybe a touchy subject to a few of you. Uh, because of some things that I'm going to talk about today, but you need to hear it. I don't preach this much. It's been a long time since I've addressed this topic, but I'm going to address it today because I want to help you, okay? Now, the first service evidently all took Benadryl before they came to church. You're refreshing right now. I mean, you just don't know. Uh, they, they just, they looked like they were on drugs, and, and so I appreciate you guys that you all are like actually awake and responsive to me because I, th I thought I something thought I just was wasn't here. But so so but it might be a little negative and 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 but it's not negative in a bad way. It's 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 a negative thing that it's, look it's something God doesn't want us to do because He's looking out for us. So here's what Paul says. Paul says he starts with a negative. He says, "Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine." Now I, I've never been drunk. Okay, I've taken a pill one time. Uh, to, to deal with anxiety or something that I probably shouldn't have taken, it knocked me out. And the next, when I finally woke up, I sounded like a drunk person. My wife was doubled over laughing at me. I couldn't get my words out, and I'm like, I can't get up. She's just rolling. She says, you sound like a drunk person. 
I've never been drunk, but this is what Paul's talking about. But when you're drunk, you're intoxicated. When you're drunk, you've had an excess of alcohol. Now, people have been drinking for thousands of years. It's part of many cultures, most cultures. It's part of the American culture. People drink for a lot of reasons. Don't really want to get into that. I could talk about all the reasons that people drink and they come up with. But what I want to do is focus on drunkenness because that's what Paul focuses on. And here's what doctors tell us. When you are drunk... When you are intoxicated, your brain function is impaired, your blood vessels dilate, you can be more apt to be aggressive, you risk getting into a car wreck, a physical fight, sustaining an injury. Okay, nothing good coming out of there. Uh, Alcoholism can lead to chronic illnesses such as high blood pressure, heart disease, liver disease, cancer of the mouth, throat, esophagus, liver, or colon, depression, anxiety. Nothing good comes out of that. Alcoholism or being drunk will negatively affect your behavior, your relationships, your ability to work, your ability to perform daily activities, and then it can get you into legal trouble, okay, like a DUI, driving under the influence. Uh, And let me just stop here. By the way, Paul mentions wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Well, we're not splitting hairs here, okay? It's not like, well, okay, well, he didn't say Michelob. There are enough scriptures in the Bible that cover the whole gamut, okay? So whether it's beer, liquor, whiskey, wine coolers, whatever, it's all of it. Don't get drunk. That's the whole point. There, there's other, there are other scriptures that God's word says you are not to get drunk. Now, I'm going to say something that, that is really strong and needs to be said. Being drunk is a sin. Being an alcoholic is, is a sin, People say, well, it's a disease. Okay, call it a disease, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It's a sin. Being drunk will keep you out of heaven. Uh, being drunk means you're unsaved. It means you're an unrighteous person. Being drunk means that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Being drunk means that you are outside of the kingdom of God. Now, let me show it to you. Look at this verse so that you don't think I'm just making this stuff up because I'm the pastor. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know, Paul says, that the unrighteous, notice he says that the people he's about to describe are unrighteous. That means you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. You're not right with God. That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Now, can I just preach right here because I'm a preacher. I'm going to tell you what's worrying me. I have seen in the church in the last few years things that bother me that people get saved, okay? They get saved, but then somehow they think that they can continue to live in sin, Y'all, what did you get saved from? That's the whole point. It's a de- by definition, and there's a contradiction in terms. If you get saved, you get saved from sin. All right, if you're going to keep sinning, just don't get saved. You can't have them both. You have to, when you get saved, God saves you from sin. And so Paul says, don't be deceived because that's a deception. And then look what he says. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor what? Drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm not making this up. This is a serious deal, very serious deal, okay? Um, And then he says, in which is dissipation. Now, that's not a word I use in my everyday language. How about you? So I thought i got to figure out what this word is. So I looked it up, and I got this word, profligacy. I said, well, that doesn't help me either. I don't talk about profligacy. I can't even hardly say it. So I had to really dig and figure out what it is. And here's what it means. I'm just going to describe it to you. This is where you're drunk and you behave in a reckless manner, in an immoral manner, 
in a, in a wasteful manner. It's where you act in ways that are sensually pleasurable with no thought of the possible consequences. And how many times have people done that? It's about waste and not being saved. It includes wasting money, wasting time, your body, your life. And by the way, when you're a drunkard, your family pays a price too. There's heartache, there's embarrassment, there's shame, there's physical abuse, there's verbal abuse. Dissipation, by the way, should never characterize a child of God. Never. Okay? And I want to show you something interesting. The Greek word for dissipation literally means unsaved. A state of being unsaved. So even in the semantics... Uh, it's there that when you are a drunkard, when you're an alcoholic, you're in a state of being an un, in an unsafe state. Now, I've been talking about being an alcoholic and, and, and getting drunk. Let me just say this this morning. I'm going to make a real plain statement. I feel like I need to do this. It's been a long time since I've done this. I am not an advocate for drinking. I'm not. So if you want a pastor to give you permission to drink alcohol, you've come to the wrong church. you got the wrong pastor because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say to you, it's okay. It's all right. You go ahead and do it. I'm not going to do it. I, don't, I, have, I can find very little good that comes from drinking alcoholic beverages. Now, I know there are some people sitting here, I'm not naive, that you social drink. And, Pastor, I like, to have a, I like to have a glass of wine with my steak. It helps my digestive tract. Pastor, I like to drink a glass of wine at night before I go to bed. It helps me sleep. And, Pastor, you don't understand when I, I, I'm, I'm in sales and when I'm out with a group of vendors or clients, I have to wine and dine them. And so we have to get a bottle of wine, and I drink a bottle of wine with them. You, look, whatever your excuses are, whatever you say, that's between you and God. You don't answer to me. You answer to God. So I'm going to say, if you can drink like that, and you can have a clear conscience, good for you. I mean, honestly, good for you. Because you don't answer to me, you answer to God. If you don't have a clear conscience, then you need to back up and stop doing it. Because God is dealing with you. Okay? Now, this is where you get real quiet, but that's okay. Just hang on, I'm going to keep preaching. But I, I don't drink. Lee and I don't drink. Okay? I don't drink alcohol. I find very little good that comes from it. And my, my thing is... In 30-plus years of ministry, I have seen far too many times the damage that alcohol does to people and to marriages and to families. And I've been the guy that has to deal with it, okay? And let me just say this. Let me just say this. You need to hear this, okay? And I know I'm touching a nerve because I know it used, look, it used to be in a holiness church. You didn't have to preach like this because nobody drank. Maybe it's a good thing because maybe we're reaching people that were sinners and they're getting saved and this is an issue and they're having to learn, what do I do now? But drinking socially or drinking casually, listen to me, it can lead to being a drunkard. You won't have to worry about me becoming a drunkard. You know why? Because I don't drink. That's just not going to happen. All right? But listen, if you do drink, okay, and you have a clear cut, fine, again. But let me tell you what happens. I got, I got it under control, Pastor. Well, you'll have a tragedy in your life. Something traumatic will happen. The chemicals in your body change. I can sit here and make a list, and, 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 then, and then you run to that bottle, and you usually have that one glass, but, but because you're in depression or you're dealing with anxiety or stress, the stress levels come up for work. You've never had to face this before. You say, you know what, I think I'll have another glass. And then you say, wait a minute, I think I'll have another glass. Let, let me just say this. Nobody plans to be an alcoholic. Okay. I read in the Bible, Noah Noah got drunk. The only righteous man on earth. God saves him through a flood. The waters recede, and he comes out. What's the first thing he does? He's thinking, he says, I think I'll plant a vineyard. Plants a vineyard. I like to have grapes. I like grapes. 
I love grapes. Okay, it's one of the few fruit that I will eat. Picky me. So I'll eat grapes. So he's eating grapes. He wants some grape juice. So he's drinking the grape juice, eating the grapes, enjoying it. One day he left a jar of grape juice over there and forgot all about it. Found it, thought it was okay, drank it, said, whoa, whoa, fermented. He said, wow, that's not good. Then he said, wait a minute, maybe that is good. Drank a little bit more of that. Then he started fermenting it. You know what happened? The Bible says that Noah, the only righteous man on the earth, got drunk. And when he did, he got naked and publicly shamed himself. Don't think it can't happen to you. Y'all don't want this kind of preaching. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Had it all, baby. Had it all. You talk about a man who was rich and wealthy and had it all. Then he moves to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then God destroys it. So they flee. And his wife turns around, looks, and gets the judgment of God, turns into a pillar of salt. He loses his wife. He loses every bit of wealth he has, everything, and he's fleeing into the mountains. And in his low state of depression and the low place in his life, he grabbed the bottle and started drinking, and he got drunk and, had in, and, and committed incest with his two daughters. Don't think it can't happen. Aaron was the high priest of Israel, and he had four sons. Two of the sons, Nadab and Abihu, worked in the church as preachers. They were priests. And the Bible says, it implies, it's very strong, that they got drunk. And they came into church drunk. And they started trying to lead worship drunk. And they started doing things they weren't supposed to do. And they offered strange fire instead of the fire of God. And they profaned the worship of God and mocked the worship of God and took what was holy. and Because that's what alcohol does. See, it kills your judgment. And then you take what's holy and you lower it and devalue it. And the Lord struck them both down and killed them. Don't tell. The Bible says, let him who thinks he stand, watch out, lest he falls. I'm just trying to help you today. Is this a last day's church? Y'all think you're a last day's church? Yes, you are. You're living in the last days of the last days. I want to show you a scripture in Luke 21 that Jesus warned us in the last days. This is a message to us. He was thinking about high praises in the 21st century when he wrote this. Here's what he said. The words, it ought to be in red. But take heed to yourselves, watch out, lest your hearts be weighed down. Your heart gets weighed down to this earth instead of being rising up, instead of raising up or being risen up to where God is. Watch this. Be weighed down with carousing. Well, the translators use the word carousing, but guess what word that is? Dissipation. It's the same word. Reckless, immoral, wasteful living. Watch it. Drunkenness and the cares of this life that the day come upon you unexpectedly. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back, I don't want him to find me with a bottle in my hand. I don't want him to come back finding me wrapped up in the things of this life, so consumed in this life that I don't even, let me just, let me mess with you. I'm going to mess with you while I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach today. I feel like preaching. How many times this week did you think Jesus might come today? Oh, you got up thinking about all the things you had to do and all the things you wanted to achieve and all the things you had to attain. But did you once think about Jesus coming? Listen, when you when it gets to where you're not thinking about Jesus coming, when you don't get up in your prayer time, you say, you know what? Jesus could come today. Today could be the day. I don't want the cares of this life. I don't want wasteful living. I want to make the most of the time because when Jesus comes back, I want to be ready. I want him to find me looking and working and ready and holy and, and, and ready to go 
By the way, I didn't preach this in the first service, but I'm going to preach this because I'm a preacher. If you are struggling with alcoholism or drunkenness, let me tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ has the power, the, de the death of Jesus has the power to save you and break that. And I don't care what anybody, I don't believe that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. The Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When God sets you free, honey, you're free. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! So that's the negative. I'm done. Now let's talk about the positive. What's the positive terminal on this battery verse? Paul said, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Here's the positive, but be filled with the Spirit. He said, I don't want you filling up on this. I want you full of this. Do you see the comparison? Okay. And the Greek is be filled and keep on being filled. You need to know that. What is that? Because what he's saying is instead of filling up time and again on wine, fill up time and again on the Spirit of God. Now, I'm Pentecostal. We're Pentecostal church, so we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. But I know growing up, we sometimes had questions. Okay, read this verse. Be filled. i got to keep on being filled. Tell people say you need to be filled. Am I like a glass and I'm full of water, but then it leaks? Like Christians are leaky, leaky glasses. Okay? I had a terrible thing happen this week. I had a styrofoam cup, and the straw must have punched through. And the next thing I looked down, my whole cup holder was full of liquid. Okay? It leaked out. Okay? That's what some people think. That's, and so I got to go back in the altar and get some more Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is like water. He's, he's leaked out. I got to get some more. That's a horrible analogy. In the Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma, and it means wind, breath, or spirit. Wind, breath, or spirit. Instead of thinking about a glass of water, I want you to think about a ship. So I'm going to help you here. Put this picture up. I'm going to help you here. Think of a ship with sails and the wind filling the sail. The wind blowing. Okay? How many of y'all like to go to the beach? Okay, I like to go to the beach. Do you notice when you sit on the beach, what blows? Wind blows. The wind constantly blows at the beach. It's like it never stops. Somebody turned the fan on, didn't turn it off. The wind is always blowing at the beach. You know why? Because the wind is blowing across the ocean. That's how they had all these ships for years and went across the oceans from continent to continent is because they banked on the wind blowing. Now, a ship is a vessel, and if you have a vessel with sails, but the sails are down, and you put that vessel, that ship, into the ocean, and the wind is blowing, but you don't have the sails up, you will not go anywhere. As a matter of fact, if there is a strong enough current the wind may be blowing this way, but the current's going that way. You'll move, but you'll go in the direction of the current. Do you know that's a lot of that, that's like a lot of people? A lot of people, they're they're so consumed with the world and the flow of this world and the things of this world, and they're all consumed with all these things in life, and, and they don't really focus on the spirit and the spiritual things, and they just flow, they want to serve God, they want to go to heaven there, but instead they just keep flowing along with the world and the things of the world. Wonder why they don't ever have a deeper spiritual life. I'll tell you you why it's because you won't put the sails up you've got sails you need to raise the sails up on your vessel and the holy spirit's always blowing he's always moving and as you lift your sail up the wind will fill it and it doesn't matter how strong the current is the wind is greater than the current the spirit of god is greater than the world and he'll move you in a direction where he wants you to go so that you can be a vessel that god can use and do mighty things for him 
got to raise the sails. The problem is we're throwing our sails up and we're filling it full of selfish ambition and greed and, and pride and, and, and money and financial portfolios and our career and we're filling our life up and we're not making room for God. There's no margin for, for God in our life and we need, to, we need to change that equation and say, God, I'm going to do all those things. Eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. Man, go get your education, follow your career, start a business, do all that stuff. But listen, you better put first things first and that is, God, I'm always, I've always got the sails up, Lord. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, God, here I am. Are y'all with me? Let me, let me share what I mean. You, 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 listen, you do your thing, you live your life, but there may be a point because you just keep the sails up. You're always in the flow of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And in, in any moment of any day, God may say to you, speak to you, say, I want you to go do this. God, I don't have time. God, I've got a meeting. God, I'm supposed to pick the kids up. God, I don't, I don't, you got 20 minutes, but you're telling God, I don't have time. God knows you have 20 minutes. God knows your schedule better than you do. You just think you know what you're going to do. God knows what you're going to do, what you've done, what you're going to do. Because he's a God who is past, present, future. And so God says, oh, yes, you do. You have 20 minutes. I want you to go talk to that person and witness to them. I want you to go over to that cubicle and pray for your coworker who just found out she has cancer. Go lay hands on them. I might heal them. See what I'm talking about? We need to be vessels where God can use us because we need, we have access to the power of God. This is what happened to the early church on the day of Pentecost. Put this scripture up. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is the early church. They were all in one accord in one place. There's about 120 people. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Watch this. As of a rushing mighty wind. There wasn't a wind. Curtains didn't blow. Drapes didn't blow. It was a sound of a wind. It was a sound. Because if there had been... If there had been a real wind, then, then you'd have thought the Spirit is a real wind. But there was a sound of a wind, but you, what, you need the sound of the wind, but you need the substance of God. God came in that room. Okay? And it filled, I love this, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. We need the Holy Ghost to fill this house so he can start being, so people can start being filled with him. And then there appeared to them, Divided tongues as of fire. It wasn't fire. It was the glory of God. But it was like one big glory ball. And then it divided into 120. And one sat upon each of them. Watch this. And they were all what? Everybody say it. Filled. God filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now check this out. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. They were saved, they had received the presence of the Spirit, but they were not full of the Spirit and His power. And Jesus wanted them to be full of the Holy Spirit. And I came here this morning to tell you, Jesus wants everybody in this congregation this morning to be full of the Holy Spirit. That is God's plan for you. Come on, give Him praise if you're going to give Him praise. And the Bible says they were all filled. I don't care how old you are. I don't care about your church background. Men, women, old, young, rich, poor, they were all filled that day. Later, God filled the Samaritans, which were half Jews, and then later he filled the Gentiles, which were not Jews at all. God wanted the church to know us to know that he's going to fill everybody. 
Jesus wanted to fill everyone. He wants to fill you. Joel 2, 28, 29. Look at this verse. And it shall come to pass in the last days. That's why I know we're living in the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You know what, mom and dad, we need to just get to a place where we want our kids full of the Holy Ghost and operating in the power of God. We're so concerned about them missing baseball practice and piano recitals and everything else and soccer practice and all that's good but that's not going to do anything for the kingdom of God we need to be praying oh God fill my son my daughter with the Holy Ghost and let them learn how to operate in the power of God Almighty we need to start praying over our kids come on your, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. We need young people in our church, young adults, that get a vision of God doing something powerful in them. My, my son, Jaron, God gave him a, 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 a vision when he moved here from Florida, he and his wife, of working with our young adults. Then God, and they, they have a successful ministry, our young adults. Then God gave him a vision of worship nights, and y'all enjoy worship nights. But Jaron was the one that got that vision. It makes me proud that my spirit-filled son got a vision. He, he got a vision of something God wanted him to do, and he went after it. But he's not the exception. It can be all of us, God speaking into our life, letting us see us, see ourselves doing something we've never done before. Your old men shall dream dreams. That just tells me it doesn't matter how old you are, God's never finished with you. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, how did they know they were filled? The Bible says that they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance or the words to say. They began. It's like something began. Didn't just happen one time. It, it's something that became part of the spirit-filled life. That's why we Pentecostals believe in praying in other tongues. We pray in a heavenly language. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, which includes the gift of tongues that should always have the gift of interpretation, which edifies the body. Okay, so it's something to be, and they began to speak with other tongues, the Spirit gave them. Now, this is the part, anytime I ever preach on being full of the Spirit, this is the part I try to spend a little time with, because if you come from a non-Pentecostal background, you're already going, oh, I was with you, Pastor, to that tongues thing. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. We didn't, they, they didn't talk about tongues. I've heard some things about tongues. I don't know about those tongues, okay? I had a preacher preach a few times on those tongues thing. I don't know about speaking in some language. Oh, yes, you do. Stop telling me you don't. You know all about it. If you went to high school and graduated, you spoke in tongues. It's called Spanish. Am I right? or French, or German, or Italian, or whatever they made you to. You, if, you're, if you went to college, you spoke in tongues. Because they won't let you in college unless you spoke in tongues three times. Everybody in college knows what I'm talking about. You have to have what? Three courses, right? Three courses. You had to speak in tongues three times. They made you speak in tongues a whole lot to get in college. He said, well, pastor, that's not the same. Oh, yes, it is. It's just one tongue is an earthly tongue that you don't know. And the other tongue is a heavenly tongue that you don't know. I went to Malden High School. I graduated from Malden High School. Go Mavericks. I think I'm a Clemson fan because their colors were orange. I've, I've been in orange my whole life. I feel like a pumpkin. So, so I'm in, I'm in, I'm, and I had to take, I took French. And, and when I lived in Detroit, I took French because Canada was right across the border and they speak French. I, had my, I took two and a half years of French, two years of, I think it's right, two and a half years of French, two years of Spanish, something like that. 
And, 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 and my homework was I had to listen to Canadian radio, French radio for an hour every night. That's how it sounds like. They talk to their nose and everything. I didn't understand a word they were saying, man. I'm in the seventh grade. I'm looking to the clock. Let's hurry and get this over with. And then I got Spanish at Malden High School. I'm taking Spanish. I had to take Spanish so I could go to college. I didn't know Spanish. So I got in a class. And here's what the teachers do in a Spanish class. The French teacher did it. He was really French. They would say, repeat after me. You remember that? Repeat. They didn't just say, here we go. You had to hear it. And they knew that. So they would say it. Then they would make. So they'd repeat after me. And they'd say, el hombre está sentado en la silla. That's good, isn't it? See, I got Spanish in my blood. I can even go, Ricardo. I can trill those R's. Okay. And so, you, and then, so what did you, as a 15-year-old southern boy, I'd say, el, she said, el hombre. I'd say, el hombre. Está sentado. Está sentado. En la silla. En la silla. I can speak Spanish. You, you repeated, right? You spoke in another tongue as the teacher gave you the utterance. And you had to because you couldn't get out of there because they were going to give you a grade. If you failed it, you'd have to take it again. Right? Am I right? You got. Let me tell you something. God's not grading your paper. He's grading your life. And God says, I got something more for you, something better for you, and I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you the words how to speak in a language that is not an earthly language, but a heavenly language. You say, what do you mean a heavenly language? There's heavenly languages. You didn't know that? Oh, everybody loves 1 Corinthians 13. People use it in weddings. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of, what is it? Stop. Tongues of angels, y'all didn't know angels had a tongue. They got a language. Y'all thought angels spoke English. Didn't you? Yeah, angels speak English. It's got to be southern English. He wouldn't speak like those Yankees. They're going to talk like southerners. They're going to say y'all. Behold, y'all. Right? That's what we think in our head. Am I right? Come on, let's get real. We run everything through our American lens. But let me tell you, they have their own language. They have an angel. God has his own language. It's a heavenly language. Well, you speak in southern English, but when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you can speak in a language you've never learned, just like French or Spanish or Italian, but it's a heavenly language. You say, how can I speak it? God will give you the words to say in your mind. You speak it by faith, and it will just flow out of you. Cause, because before, when I was in when I was in tenth grade, it was el hombre está sentado en la silla. But now I can el hombre está sentado en la silla. I can I can just roll that stuff out. And now and I had to, you know what I took Rosetta Stone. I was going to Honduras. I had to learn how how to speak Spanish. I still can't speak it fluently, but I try. Julio tries to help me sometimes. Okay, but I can't speak Spanish. He'll, sometimes he'll say, Pastor, that was pretty good. You did it pretty good. You got a little little thing going there. But other times he'll tell me it's ugly. I mean, it's just. I mean, he knows. It's just I'm butchering words, right? 
I mean, come on, Julio knows. But listen, here's the point. I couldn't do well then, but the longer I kept at it, and I took Rosetta Stone, and I kept repeat, because there you just repeat. I'm speaking in tongues as Rosetta gives me the utterance. Y'all ain't getting this, are you? We got to break this thing down. Stop worrying about speaking in tongues. You've spoken in tongues your whole life. Why don't you get in the altar and say, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And if you start speaking in some language you never learned, don't freak out. Ain't no different than the Spanish teacher. Except this thing's going to give you power. One gave you a grade, the other gave you power. So there. Quit worrying about tongues. Why do you have to be filled with the Spirit? It's two reasons. You're clothed with power from on high. Two reasons. To be an effective witness for Jesus and to learn how to operate in the supernatural power of God. Y'all, why do we want to keep trying to do things through the arm of the flesh, through man resources, human resources, when we have access to the power of God? I don't want to get up here and preach out of my wittiness and wisdom and communicative skills. A lot of guys do that. No, I get up here nervous and shaking saying, Holy Ghost, if you don't anoint me and use me, I'm going to fall flat on my face. And I don't know why he does, but I just trust him. And he anoints what I preach so they can have an impact on your life. The power of God makes it. You can operate in the gifts of wisdom and knowledge and healing. You can lay hands on people and they actually get healed. You can operate in faith and prophecy and, 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 and with the gift of tongues and interpretation. We can operate in this. Why would we be so blown out of the water that a supernatural God would actually want to do supernatural things through us? Why settle for the sensational when we can have the supernatural? I don't want the sensational. I want the supernatural power of God. And I want to be a witness for Jesus. Isn't witnessing scary? Talking to somebody about the Lord scary, isn't it? Afraid you're going to say the wrong thing? Accidentally, I might, make a, I might make a Buddhist out of them. I'm just terrified, God. I'll just say the wrong thing, and they're going to turn into a Buddhist. You're not going to turn into a Buddhist. Okay, but we just make up these excuses. But when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, God gives you boldness. There's a boldness God gives you. On the day of Pentecost, I'm going to close with a tell story. On the day of Pentecost, the 120 got filled with the Spirit. Here's what I think happened. I think they spoke in that heavenly language. They were speaking in languages never learned. You know, they were used to speaking Hebrew and Aramaic. And they are just speaking in language. And then the 12 go outside. Well, it attracted a crowd. You all know why I want the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in here every Sunday? Because that's what's going to attract people. And so they were, the crowd grew, it came. And, they were, and what I think happened is that the 12, their tongue changed to the languages of all those people because they had come from all over the world, but the, but the 12 didn't know it. So they thought they were still speaking in a heavenly language, but they were speaking in known languages, and the people were understanding them. Isn't that cool? Like, you can do that. And somebody made fun of them because they were speaking in, you know, what sounded to them gibberish. And, and when people get drunk, they do that. Words don't come out right, and they, you know, you the old joke about the guy got pulled, he was drunk, and he said, Ossifer. I'm not inebriated, I'm drunk. You know, and so you can't get the words out. And so they thought they were drunk, and they said that. They mocked them, made fun, and I love this. Now, you may disagree with me, it's okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm preaching. Peter said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Peter never denied they weren't drunk. He just said they're not drunk as you think they're drunk. 
Now you say, well, Pastor, and that means that they suppose they were drunk and he was telling them they're not. Okay, well, you can believe that if you want to, but I'm preaching. It works with my sermon. I think it could also mean these men are not drunk as you suppose. They're drunk, but they're not drunk on wine. It's 9 in the morning. He said, but they are full, filled up, intoxicated with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost. That's what they're full of. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't get full of wine and beer and Michelob and Jim Bean and Jack Daniels and Modelos and Dos Equis. If you're going to get full of something, get full of the presence and the power of God in your life. When you get caught driving, they give you a DUI. Driving under the influence if you're drunk. But the, the, the disciples that day weren't DUI. They were LUI. Living under the influence. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be living under the influence. So that every day as you're doing your thing, when the Holy Ghost needs to use you, boom, at that time, under his influence, you'll say, oh, i got to stop what I'm doing and go over here and be obedient to God. Listen, I want y'all to live the, the spirit filled life. I want y'all to live the life where you're just doing your thing, but then all of a sudden God just stops you and says, go pray for this person. Go talk to this person. Go witness that person. Go give that person some money. Go help that person. And the Lord opens a door for you to minister to them. It doesn't matter what you do the rest of the day. I don't care if you pull the biggest contract, the biggest sale of your life. It won't even match to the moment when God uses you and God does something powerful in somebody else's life through you. That contract will pale in comparison to how you will feel the sense that I was a vessel of God. That's what we're made for. So I'm going to talk about that man right over there. Jared Gibson. Y'all can't see him. He's just a silhouette. He's there. You're fine right there. Jared Gibson. Let me tell you about Jared. Where's his wife over there? They came to this church. She's a Pentecostal girl. He's a Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist? Southern Baptist boy. Okay. Enough said. So his wife's sitting here. She's feeling, you know, she's used to all this. He's over there going, what in the world is going on? We're shouting and yelling. Sometimes he's hearing speaking in tongues. He's about, remember, his member? He's about, all. he's about, well, I don't know if I can deal with this. He told her, I don't know if I can keep going. But he kept coming. The Holy Spirit kept drawing him. Kept coming, kept coming. Then one Sunday, he was sitting somewhere right in here, I remember. And we got to singing, the place got to rocking, and then we switched gears, and Leah, my sweet Leah, grabbed the mic and went into some old school something and started throwing down. The power of God was on this place, and we were shouting and having ourselves a big time like we Pentecostals do. And Jared told me, he said, when it happened, he said, your wife starts singing. See, it's the anointing anointed singing anointed music he said something happened to me he said I was singing I was praising I was praying he said something got all over me he said I thought I was going to pass out he thought I was going to have to sit down and pass out he said I grabbed my wife's hand he said I thought I was going to pass out see it was the power of God he never experienced the power of God and he said all of a sudden something got a hold of me he said pastor I started speaking in some language that I don't know what it was he said I think it was that Holy Ghost thing I said yeah it was that Holy Ghost thing I said you got baptized in the Holy Ghost this morning in high praises church And the Southern Baptist boy became a Baptocostal. And then God put a fire inside of him. And then he started talking about ministry. You remember? It all happened. I've been, I've been chronicling your life. Then all he's done. Then all of a sudden he wanted to do ministry. Now he starts talking about ministry. He's been out there trying to figure out what to do. And now look at him. He's up on stage on the praise team playing the guitar in a Pentecostal church. 
just hoping that while he's playing that the my God, I feel the heart will run in this place. Just hoping that the Holy Ghost will fall on some of you. Oh, come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> I got a good friend of mine. He's his first time here today. And I know he's back there saying, you got to be kidding me. He preached on the Holy Ghost. Woo! Well, if that's a Pentecostal preacher, I ought to do, right? That's what I ought to do. Hallelujah. I want everybody in this place, I want you to get to this altar as quick as you can. I have, I have hurried so we can get in the altar. Everybody, visitors, everybody, come down here. We're just going to finish down here. Can we just come down? That's what we do in the Pentecostal church. You get to come to the altar. And just everybody finishes down here. Come on. Just come on. Everybody just pile in here. We're going to get in the altar. That's where man meets with God. You get to say, I went to church, went to the altar, and stood down there with all those Pentecostal people. Come on. Fill in these holes right here. Keep coming. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.